0: Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we'll be discussing an article entitled Is Masonry Out of Date?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at com.
0: Today on The Working Tools Podcast, we have uh, three quarters of our usual band of hosts. We have Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon, and myself and Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth, who are our, I'm Very Worshipful Brother Matthew Apple, and we are Masons in the Grand Lodge of Washington here in Washington State. And we're sort of starting a bit of a series here where we're gonna, we each, there are a treasure trove of Masonic articles out there. There's a bajillion of them, uh, articles on Masonry. And we sort of each decide we're gonna pick one and have a discussion about it. So uh, I was the first sucker to raise my hand. So I, I, I had to pick first. And uh, the article that I've chosen for us to discuss more as a starting point for, of a discussion about Masonry is, is entitled, Is Masonry Out of Date? Uh, it appeared first in the May 1968 edition of the uh, Grand Lodge of Alberta newsletter so if you can go to the Grand Lodge of Alberta website it's in the it's in there on, under their newsletters and also I, we're going to try and provide a link to the article in the show notes um, from another source so that you can look it up yourself and read the article but it's um, It's interesting. It was written by a right worshiper brother, F.G. Fox, who at the time was district deputy in district number one in Alberta. Uh, It was published, like I said, in the Grand Lodge Bulletin in May of 68. Um, And it was also apparently reprinted in Cannes Mass, which was, I I guess, in July of 2004, the 21st of July,
1: 2004.
0: So with that, um, the article is is essentially questioning if masonry is out of date, if our, our practices and our ritual, et cetera, are, are no longer relevant. Um, so A, find the link, go read the article, because I think that'll help you understand our discussion, because we all, of course, have read it already. And uh, and then come back, we'll pause briefly. There you go, now you've read the article, you can come back and you can uh, <laughs> uh, listen to the discussion here. but. Uh, I guess I, I sort of chose it, but what, did you guys have any sort of broad thoughts on on what it was saying?
1: It was... Go ahead, Stephen. I saw you take a deep breath. Well, <laughs> it,
2: it, I don't know. It, it, it's been a question that's asked quite frequently, right? Um, because there are a lot of people who are of the mindset that our constitution is undemocratic and and our ritual is old fashioned. Um, and sometimes difficult to understand, um, and it says, you know, even some even think that our teachings need to be modernized, right, um, and, and then it goes into uh, analyzing this step by step, and in, in the different things about um, modernizing our, our uh, ritual, our, our craft, and I don't know, um, I think when you uh, change things and modernize things, you lose a lot of the um, historical reference. I think you lose a lot of um, character, if you will, that you know makes it what it is.
1: You know, the, the thing that immediately struck me was a very similar experience I had when I was district deputy myself, trying to, yes, we had to deliver the Grandmaster's message to the Lodges, of course, and then we also were supposed to provide some Wisdom, or at least I try to provide some wisdom. Very difficult for me <laughs> to to enhance the experience. Or if I was visiting and they want you to talk about something, right? I can't talk about the Grandmaster's message every single time I visit a lodge necessarily. And so there was a publication that I read, and i i didn't think I didn't think to look it up. I'm just talking, thinking about it now. But i I read. The synopsis of this article, in this, it was instructions for a, a lodge, instructions for a mason, how to improve the Masonic experience, and I read it to him, and I said, "When do you think that was published?" I said, "Doesn't it, it applies to us today, right? In the two thousands, in the in the twenty first century, it applies to us today." Well, when do you think it was written? And it was like in the nineteen forties or nineteen fifties, and it was the same stuff, the same issues we were having now. We we're having in the 20s, and in the 50s, and in the 30s, and and when I saw this was initially published in 1968, I thought, is masonry out of date today in 2021? Is it out of date in 1968, 53 years ago? Is it out of date in 1920? I mean, it's interesting how very similar things are a recurring theme in masonry, and in the world in general, but it was, that's what really struck me initially was that 53 years ago, they were talking about masonry being out of date. And just, I was just at a installation yesterday, and the new master was talking about how their lodge itself and other lodges he's seen locally are getting a, having a resurgence of interest, especially after the pandemic, of course. But uh, as things we, seemingly were calming down, but now there's this new variant. I mean, well, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> uh, but... There's a, there's a resurgence of interest in Freemasonry. I would agree with that. There's lots of lodges, and lo- ours alone, and lots and lots of lodges are experiencing an interest. And so I think that speaks to the message <clears> of <throat> the letter too. Is it out of date? No, I don't think Masonry is out of date. I think people are clamoring for more ideas or more concepts that this article talks about.
2: Well, and I think with the pandemic, it's had people doing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, self-assessment right um we've had all this time to be by ourselves and and um you know look at life and where we're at and and you know from the prospects of of uh, candidates waiting i mean we have a I think half a dozen that have come since covid and they're they've all got a similar story if you will that they've upon ref- reflection of their life, right? So everybody is has, uh, <coughs> has obviously made time to, you know, do some reflecting on, on where they were, right? And that they were looking for a connection, a brotherhood, or they were looking for um, the deeper meanings in life. And that one thing or another has connected Freemasonry to what they were looking for in their minds. Right. But there's been a lot of soul searching and a lot of, um, uh, I guess, self
0: assessment going on, which I think has created that. Yeah, I agree. That's actually one of the reasons why I chose this article is because it's like you guys were just saying, it's there are timeless issues for masonry and for for a lot of things, frankly. You know, is it, you know, let's, is this really the same as it was, whatever? 50, 100 years ago, they the same issues. And more things change, the more they say the same. I guess is what I'm saying. That we're encountering these same issues. Oh, so, Well. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the first part of the article, like Stephen was just saying, was the it sort of um, and it sort of t- talks about the topic in general about how uh, he hears it said that uh, we're not keeping abreast of what's going on in the world and that things should be modernized or our teaching should be modernized or our ritual or our uh, the constitutions should be modernized, and he sort of starts with the first sort of big topic is the constitutions of presumably the Grand Lodge of Alberta, but of masonry in general. Sort of the and by constitution, I, I sort of get the feeling that he doesn't mean constitution like that actual document of that Grand Lodge so much as he means sort of the structure of masonry. Like he's talking about the fact that we have a Grand Master or that it's not. He asserts it's not as, or as he says, other people assert that it's not as democratic as it should be, or that we have. We still use titles like worshipful master
1: and that sort of stuff. And uh, um, I, I think he's. I think he means because they refer to Constitution as that's their code. We call it the code here in Washington, right? And theirs is called the Constitution. I think he's. I, I can get what you're talking about. That it's more of a landmark. We might call it more or more familiar. It's a landmark of it. But I think the Constitution he's referring to the actual document. So it's not as capitalized, which is interesting though. The C isn't capitalized anywhere. I think it, you think it would be. And and that is one in that next paragraph there, like you're referring to, it does talk about a lot of times we think the grandmaster has ultimate power. He can just do whatever he wants to. He wields a scepter and (laughs) it's just a gavel. (laughs) It's it's not, it's not a scepter. He's not going to part the waters or, or, uh, calls anyway but it, yeah it, it, so it's surprising how yes we we are uh, we submit to the to the charges and resolutions and stuff and and the the authority of the grand master essentially but really if you look at the code or constitution he really has pretty limited power he can't just arbitrarily go in and take a he, i guess he could do it what i highlighted was that the board of general purposes i still love that idea if you look at all the anywhere in my but this is referring to the board of general purposes on a on a grand lodge level as i understand it which i you know we would call probably our jurisprudence committee we have a jurisprudence committee so it's probably kind of like that but i like i love i even highlighted the idea that it's elected composed of members elected by the craft and and jurisprudence is not. (laughs) Yeah. That would be a great thing, I think, to have jurisprudence be elected. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're talking about,
2: you know, getting rid of, uh, you know, we could do away with titles and, and replace them with things like president and first and second vice president and so on. Um, But, you know, it it takes it away from uh, the unique, of our fraternity to begin with if we were to standardize it like every other organization and have the same names and titles for their uh structures we may as well just be another social club then right um our ritual has always been one of those definite things that sets us apart from any other organization and there's
0: um so I know from the, I listened to the brought to light podcast. I, I think they've stopped podcast or stopped broadcasting, but they've it's a pretty cool podcast out of uh, Victoria in, uh, in Australia. And they have, I'm, I'm sure I'll get this wrong. So I apologize to the Australian masons out there, but the um, are, they have an elected um, like board of directors sort of that, that's oversees a lot of their business and that sort of thing. I think, I think, um, but yeah, I don't, I guess in my admittedly limited Masonic experience, I haven't heard a lot of people say, I mean, I've heard people say worshipful, why what's up with that kind of thing. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone say we should wholesale clear out and change what everyone's addressed as. And I kind of feel like, at least here in, in Washington, I'm, and I'm from what I've heard you say, Steve, I, I think it's similar in BC that there's not a, um, you know, if we wanted to change the Washington Masonic code, we could, It's it happens all the time, you know, there's, A good half dozen resolutions pass at every every Grand Lodge every year. You know, there's not a. I don't feel like we're that undemocratic. Kind of like you guys were just saying that we're not that undemocratic an institution, and we're not. If we felt we were, we could change that. You know, there there is a a mechanism for that, and I guess
1: I. While I agree that i flawed, the mechanism, albeit flawed,
0: (laughs) no mechanism made by humans is unflawed.
1: What I'm referred to in our, is it going to become a resolution at the next end of communication is that in our particular code, it takes a 90, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, it takes a 90% pass to change something in the code, standard work, excuse me, something in the standard work. And if it doesn't pass, it goes, it's held over as we call it. So then the second year, it comes up for consideration again, and it's a, I think it's a 75% pass Mm, rate. Two thirds maybe? Maybe two thirds. I don't think it's that little. I think it's 75%. It's or three quarters. Maybe it's a three quarter vote. Well, 75%. Uh, it's a pretty significant, it's still pretty significant, but it's not 90%. And so the, the the discussion or the argument is that why is there a lesser amount just because it's the second year? <laughs> well,
2: why, <laughs> it, is it,
1: why is it being continued
2: for a second year if it didn't get past the first year?
1: Well, again, they're hoping that there'll be a different, either a further consideration or maybe a different group of men might be there or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of the part of the discussion too, is that if it's, if you can't pass it with 90, why are we lowering, Are we, are we lowering the bar to 75% to three quarters or are we, should we maintain it at 90%? So that's kind of the basic argument. Interesting. Uh,
0: that's not what we're here to argue today, but no, I'm, I actually,
1: <laughs> there you go. You, you like the two step?
0: <clears throat> I do. I, I, I feel like if so 90% one time, fine. But if you want to, if you can get a two-thirds majority of people to agree twice on something, a year apart, I think that's that's a valid threshold. But anyway, that's not off topic. Okay, back, so, back so, to the article at hand.
2: So back Before to the David article at hand. I, I, okay, I so, will
0: pull the uh, article chooser's prerogative and say, oh no, we're not talking about that now. Um, so if we so if we go along with
2: with the the, the article and where where they're talking. They keep talking about, you know, considering the different changes. And and, then it's, and and it says, now consider modernizing our teachings. Let us enumerate what they are. We teach brotherly love, relief, truth, temperance, fortitude, prudence, justice, faith, hope, and charity, right, uh, as the more prominently known list. But how can you, I mean, when you're teaching those things as a subject, or, I mean, how how do you really modernize any of that? That, that is what it is. I mean, I, I don't understand how one would even think to change what we have with respect to it, because um, our lectures and our, uh, as they say, everything we do is illustrated by symbols and veiled in allegory, right? Well, or, or vice versa. Uh, but it's it's like you you can't change it or or essentially you're just rewriting uh, everything to be a more of a, a layman's term i guess right where it doesn't make you think and have thought provoking statements
0: yeah that's so that's one of the things that i feel like a lot of conversations about this sort of topic quickly go into the what is it the slippery slope fallacy. There, there's one of those logical fallacies that, you know, well, if we start changing the words, then, you know, we might as well just chuck fortitude. Who cares about that kind of thing? And I think, uh, so this is probably not a valid comparison, but but here I go anyway. Um, so a few years ago came out this version of the Bible called the message. And some guy whose name I should know, but don't, went back essentially to the like the text and translated it into modern English. So it's not you know, King James version high at the time, you know, whatever that was many years ago, English, it's current English. So the stories are, but he didn't like say, you know, he didn't pitch the, uh, the, I don't know, whatever the parable of the, 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 oh man, my Bible knowledge is, is giving me the, the you know the son who goes away and comes back and, and they kill the the, prodigal, the, prodigal, son. And, the prodigal son, prodigal son. Thank you. Oh Lord.
1: I went to church this morning, honest.
0: Uh, but they uh, So he didn't like chuck the parable of the prodigal son. He didn't change the meaning of it, but he changed the words that are used in the book to convey that meaning. And I honestly believe while I love our ritual, I don't have a problem with the idea of changing some of the language to make it more current in, in, again, teaching the same lessons. And I'm getting a lot of grumpy stares from the other two people. All this
2: <laughs>
0: but and actually, this is this is actually something I was thinking about was in so in Canada, you guys have what three rituals in BC? Or four. four, four rituals in BC. And I bet they all more or less teach the same lessons, right? I mean, did any of them get rid of temperance and fortitude and justice and prudence?
2: No, but it's how they're taught. It's how their it's how their uh, lectures are, and how and how the verbiage is that that is um, it's still different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as the uh, guys in that that do that funny Canadian work or emulation work, right? They say, you know. In our ancient work, our proficiencies after each degree are very lengthy, and they've simplified it and shortened the verbiage to make it more modern, right, and easier for a guy to proceed through the, to the next step, right? Um, they say that, you know, six pages of memory work to prove yourself and go to the next step is just way too much, right? Like we shouldn't put that kind of expectation of work onto our, entered an apprentice and fellow craft. And uh, we in the, that do the ancient work would argue that um, to shorten it is to not fully teach it. Right. Because every time you cut something out, you either leave more room for interpretation or more room for question in someone's mind. Right. So I think the better job you do of of teaching it, you know, uh, it's important. Right. <clears throat>
1: I, I think that comes to the heart of even what this show is originally meant to be about right If we had the new American standard <laughs> a uh, standard work that was plain language and it was described everything and provided the most current and clear information, a guy wouldn't go wouldn't wouldn't feel the need to go and learn more about it because he's already been taught it. So I think it I think it's in some regard forces us to have, uh, which by the way we're going to have this in our our new uh, we're still trying to find a name for it it's probably going to be some kind of candidate education uh not new candidate education but some kind of a candidate or, or new mason education program that we're uh, uh, updating in the back we, we have had in the past up to 60 or 70 questions which i think is a little bit of overload a lot of people agree with that so probably like 20 questions and then the other 40 or 60 questions <laughs> will be entitled for a, for discussion. So I, I think that's really what, I think that enhances the experience. Even the guys in the 50s, or even when Preston put the work together, I think that it still was meant to be a little archaic or a little bit old, so that it would cause the, a man to go and try to, learn what it's about and try and understand because i may just like we're doing tonight. i read it one way you read it a different way matt reads it another way and we all have our opinions about what it might say or how it what it means to us and i think that's we're getting right to the core of what freemasonry is kind of about It means a little bit different to each person ultimately yes we have some standards we have standard work we have some rituals we have some things that we do that are normal and common and grips and signs and words and those sign of secret other things but but then there's this other stuff, the allegory, and the, with the meaning, the actual meaning to it, I might interpret it differently, and it applies to me. To, and it may apply to me differently today than it does tomorrow or ten years from now. I mean, I'm, I'm still <laughs> listening to lectures, listening to things, going, "Oh, I never thought of it that way," or and I just either I wasn't listening before, or I'm I've had a new experience and now it relates to me differently. It's really fun. For me anyway to do that and then also when you're learning when you're memorizing parts you take time to to think about it and what does that word mean and how like just tonight i, I had an idea of what the this is a bad word to choose the word hoary. <laughs> i had an idea what it meant but initially in my mind that's not what i thought it meant <laughs> and so i went to the dictionary and looked it up and i went oh that's what that we, means we are getting to be hoary with age I think yeah. <laughs> And so it just you know again I I can read something and have the general idea and general context of what it means, but when you take time to study it, you'll learn more about it. And I think I think that's part of what our ritual. You know, a, a guy that's coming into masonry or developing himself as a mason, he might not understand it. And so it gives an opportunity for someone that's like Matt or Stephen, that's more educated. Uh, Trevor, we've had about the past. You know, any of the panelists we've had has more knowledge they can share give an the opportunity to share it does many things at one it gives the guy something new to think about it builds that relationship with that mason, that mentor or person he's talking to it then gives him something to go and evangelize about i mean i every, whenever I get a chance i I get a little nugget of knowledge, I go and evangelize it and talk to people, and then it further expands my opportunity to open the discussion and to have the, the you know a casual conversation about Freemasonry right. Oh, we know
0: about your evangelizing. We, we've noticed, but so I guess my question is, and and we're sort of running a long time, but I'll say it anyway because then I can say we're done, and then and then no one can refute what I say. Uh, but the the um, ha, were you intrigued by the lessons of masonry because of the oldie timey language that was used, or? were you intrigued by the lessons of masonry because of the content of those lessons? Cause I'm not saying we should ditch the, whatever, the square is a symbol, but I'm saying well, square is not a good example, but uh, you know, there choose your favorite, difficult to understand passage about masonry. Could it not be a, just.
2: That, that question Matt, like just so simple, uh, but it's so long that we should take it into part two
0: excellent. So I win. Good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> my, my, my effort to shutter the conversation with my question has, has succeeded. But anyway, so we'll leave it at that and we'll come back. But yeah, the, um, so yeah, what I encourage our listeners to think for the next week until the next episode comes out, is the, is the, are the lessons of Masonry and the language of Masonry so intertwined that they cannot be separated? Or could you learn the lessons of Masonry just as validly through an updated, I don't know rituals through an updated text, and maybe that's the right way to phrase it, vocabulary, etc. So, and for that matter, we're gonna we'll be posting this on on uh, on our social media accounts and such. So please, on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, leave your comments. To, to let us know what you think about it, because because well, obviously we are the authorities on such things, but we are we are happy to listen to other people's opinions and um it, it's an interesting conversation and obviously the three of us disagree. And I think, I think there are other people with other opinions that are just as probably more valid than mine out there. So <laughs> please leave it, leave some comments and let us know what you think. And we look forward to reading them and interacting with you on that. So, and then, like I said, next week we'll be back with, with the correct opinion. So uh, on that note, uh, thank you all for listening to the, the working tools, excuse me, we're listening to the working tools podcast. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Goodbye.